Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to yet another edition of Buds and Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burrell, and today I'm not joined by my co-host, Riley McConnell. Riley had to take some time away to deal with some personal matters. So today we are joined by my good friend and fellow Blue Jays fan, Quinn Abram. Quinn, what's up? How are you, man? Good, thanks. Uh, honored to be the, the first guest of the show. Um, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, big shoes to fill, man. Our number one guest we've ever had. Maybe you'll be the answer of a trivia question we have someday. <laughs> we'll see we'll see we'll see all right uh today on the show oh sorry before we get started there uh i've got a question i'd like to ask all our guests when one how did you become a blue jays fan and two do you have a blue uh, favorite blue jays memory yeah so i think becoming a blue jays fan um i think that was um someone in part for my parents growing up so they were actually there in in 93 when joe carter hit the home run oh no way we, we, we've got the tickets framed um in our kind of sports man cave uh, at home uh and so yeah i think like i can't point a specific moment that I became a blue jays fan but it's just kind of something you know like it's kind of like the summer thing to do you throw the game on mm-hmm. um uh and as both a leaf and jays fan uh a lot of that time was not spent having success but you still <laughs> cheered on the team um in terms of civic moment um i would say the one for me it was I'm not sure it was 2013, 2014. It was like one of those last home stand of the season with yeah. my family. The Jays, they were well over the playoff race. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the kids were up. And that was um, when they originally called up Dalton Pompey. Oh, okay. And we were Good at the game, game and hit, he hit two triples. Oh, wow. Meaningless game, <laughs> but two triples. And the 20,000 fans in, in Rogers Center just went nuts. And that's one that, that stands out to me. It, it's It's like you can call the concrete mausoleum a little bit. And I want to talk about the stadium a little bit later, yeah. but like when you get enough fans in there rocking, that place is, is as good as any. Yeah. Roger center is something different. I remember in uh, when they were first making their playoff push in 2015, just the way the stadium kind of is and it's loud, all the sounds echoes off each other. And it's absolutely insane. I'll tell you what, I was not expecting a Dalton Pompey reference. When we started this show today. <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest. I have a Jersey in my closet. It didn't yeah. work out quite the way I'd hoped, but <laughs> But hey, I was certainly a fan. In uh, in that time, 2013, you know, Dalton Pompey, young guy, Canadian kid, right? Full of potential coming up in two triples in a game. That's impressive. It's a good memory to have there. All right. Well, today on the show, we are going to discuss, we have to discuss the labor talks that was going on. I was really hoping that today's episode could be an episode where we start talking about the players having an agreement. We're all in set. We're full go to the next major league season. But unfortunately... That wasn't the case. So we're going to talk a little bit about the labor situation, what's going on. Then we're going to talk about the stadium and some stadium upgrades that the Rogers Center are going to do. And then we're going to play a little fun game. It's called uh, Which Blue Jay is Most Likely to Blank? Where I'll read out a question and then you and I are going to banter back and forth about which Blue Jay we think fits the answer to that question. You ready to go? Yeah, let's do it. All right. As excited as you and I are to be here, we can't say the same for Major League Baseball. MLB and the Players Association had instituted a deadline for Monday, February 28th, in order for a deal to get done. And uh, I don't know about you, but I was glued to my Twitter feed. There was nine straight days of negotiation. Some days seemed bleak. Other days seemed hopeful. And after a 17-hour session on Monday that led to the wee hours in the morning, the two sides were not able to come to an agreement. So I'm thinking we'll give you a little quick rundown on what the two sides are asking for so we can really hammer into this and see what's going on here. So the first, the first thing that, uh, that the players and the owners are trying to agree on here is what the minimum salary is going to be in 2021 or in 2022 and, and going on. 
the minimum salary in 2021 was just over 570,000, which is the lowest out of the four major sports, but also baseball plays significantly more games than other major sports. So we'll see. Uh, the league wanted to raise that to 700,000 with about a 1.4% increase over the next five years, where the players wanted to start it at 725,000 with a rough increase about two and a half percent over the next five years. So, you know, it doesn't seem, at least my thoughts on that, it doesn't seem like they're too far off. And, you know, just the difference of percentage points here or there or a starting base salary here or there, you got to think they can come up to agreement on something there. I think so. Um, I think it's a pretty easy one to come to. And, you know, it adds up. Like, there's a lot of players playing for the minimum or close to it where they're going to mm-hmm. see their salary raised. But at the same time, you know, I expect, you know, within five years, if you took the player's deal, for example. Right. Just because minimum salaries goes up doesn't necessarily mean payrolls will. Um, yes. It'll just kind of further condense the middle class in. Um, but yeah, you, you, I agree. You would be hopeful that they can come to an agreement there. I think out of all kind of the major points, that one they seem to be closest on. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be the one too, where we've had kind of had a give and take on both sides where they've kind of pushed these numbers together. So optimist, but hopefully that can, uh, that can be ratified pretty soon. Now, the next issue that these two teams are, or these two sides are trying to accomplish is the competitive balance threshold, which it's not a salary cap, but the way the owners kind of use it, it kind of is a salary cap. And right now it's kind of, it was set at 210 million in 2021. And this is the big, the big thing that is kind of really stalling talks between the players and the and the union, the players want it at about 238 million with roughly a 2.5% increase over the next five years where the league wants it set at 220 million and it will go up to 230 million with five years, but no increases until 2025. So that's kind of where they stand right now. It's, it's still a pretty big difference. And I've seen some reports where some owners are just no 220 million is the max we're going to go. We're not going to go over that. And the players seem kind of tough to move up there. 238 million. So got any thoughts on that there? Yeah, that's, it's interesting on both sides. So it's like, I, I, I see the player's perspective. I think it makes a lot of sense. It, it didn't have much movement over the last CBA, which probably mm-hmm. is one of their biggest gripes and biggest losses that, that the players had in the previous round. Right. Um, but moving forward, you know, moving it up 2 million per year, which is less than 1%. I mean, for how much revenue baseball is growing, even in spite of, of COVID-19, mm-hmm. I think it makes sense. The maximum goes up and it's only affecting a handful of teams, but you, you brought a very interesting point on the owner side. And that's that there's very different viewpoints. You know, right. you, you have the 30 owners and I'm not sure what number it is, if it's two thirds or whatnot that have to agree on a deal on their end. It's 23, 23 of the 30 owners. Okay. So. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, about what's three quarters that is, I think. Give or take. Yeah. And when you think about, okay, you have on one side, your Red Sox, Yankees, Cubs, Dodgers, um, even the Blue Jays are probably on the lower end of that scale mm-hmm. of teams that are, are spending towards the higher end. And comparing that to your Pirates, Rays, Royals. Oakland. Exactly. Like those teams have very, very different viewpoints on that. And, you know, if, if you're Tampa Bay, for example, of course you don't want the, the CBT to go up because you don't want the Yankees to get, you know, an extra Aaron Judge or Giancarlo Stanton that they can throw on the field where you're going to basically spend the same amount of money. Right. And it's, it's kind of tough because, you know, there are penalties for going over the the, uh, salary cap, which um, the player side and the owners are discussing what those penalties should be and whatnot. 
but a lot of the owners don't go over it anyway, right? They use the penalties as an excuse to cut stuff down. And what you don't want is, like you said, the big gap between the rich to spend even more and the, and the poor to not spend as much. So I don't know how we're going to be able to come to an agreement on this. This seems like the big issue that uh, the players and the owners are going to have to come across. And until we get real movement on this, we might be stuck in labor talks for quite a while. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I don't know. I think especially on the owner's end, it's like I'm not sure there's a consensus of what the ask should be. Mm-hmm. It's more so what the ask has to be to get enough owners to agree to it. Right. And so, yeah, I agree. Like how much room do they have to move and, and how long is it going to take them to get to a point that they will? Yeah, and I know a lot of people see these numbers and they think, well, why is just millionaires and billionaires fighting over different money? But like the players, what they want is there's like you said earlier, there's so much more money in this game and the players just want their share. It's not like they're asking for, you know, they want a new yacht or a new boat or we want to be rich beyond our wildest dreams. They just want to keep up with inflation and they want their piece of the pie. Because my theory on this is that the players are the product. And if we don't have the players, the owners just have, they have socks and they have laundry, you know? (laughs) So they need the players here. And I think the players should get what they want. And I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see, I suppose. I mean, I think the interesting thing is, like, if you took the players' numbers today, if the owners just agreed to them, it's probably still a net loss for the players. Yes. Like, versus if they actually dig in and pushed. And that's kind of the sad thing is, like... I don't think the asks are so unreasonable that you can't negotiate to a deal. It's just the owners, you really feel like they're just trying to get every penny they can, right? They're businessmen. They're all businessmen. They've done it by pushing the margins and making extra money wherever they can. And this feels like no exception. It's just, I don't know if they can put a price on missing games and losing a fan base and all this stuff, how it'll affect their future income down the lines. Or I feel like the owners just think the fans are going to return anyway. They have in years past after lockouts and labor issues. They have in other leagues. So I think maybe they're discounting on that. And don't worry if they miss a handful of games throughout the season. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're holding us hostage. Yeah. We which... we want we want games. Like like you said, it's like we wish we were talking about the start of spring training right mm-hmm. now. You know, less than a month to opening day. Um and you know, for me it's you know, I haven't seen a game in person in over well over three years now. You know, I mean, Montreal now is a little harder. And then with COVID, it's like, yeah. you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm pumped to go see these players. And this Jays team is, you know, really as good as we've had in our lifetimes. You know, it measures right up with those Bautista and Carnacion teams. Um, and it's, it's sad that we're sitting here and not being able to kind of enjoy that. Right. We are now into year four of Vlad and Bobichet's career, and they have yet to play one full season of home games at Rogers Center which is just, I just find crazy to me. And it's not going to be the case this year either. Yep. So, that, yeah, that is, when you put it like that, it's just, it's sad. Yeah. So we'll see where things end up with the CBT. That's going to be the big thing. Once you see that number kind of move or get closer together or one side makes an agreement towards the other, that's when I think the hammer is going to fall and we're going to be able to really get close on some of the other issues that they have here. Um, Agreed. I, yeah, I, the rest of it, I, I agree. I think that they, if they can get that piece together, they can find a middle ground on the rest and and get some games going. Perfect. I'm with you there. Some of the other things that they're trying to cover is there's a pre-arbitration bonus pool. So one of the agreements that the players really want is they want to get their younger players paid earlier, especially those people in rookie deals, so the year of one to three on the contract. So the players are trying to get a pool of $85 million that'll cover about 150 players. I, how that's all divided up in the specifications is beyond me. I haven't looked too far into that. 
the owners in the league are counting with just 30 million to only cover 30 players. Plus they thought about adding incentives for like, if a guy comes top three in rookie of the year, for example, they'll get an extra year of service time or whatnot. But I'm not a huge fan of that either, because if you're putting how much money a player gets paid based in the hands of the baseball writers, that's a lot. And I feel like all oh, the salaries should be made from the owners and the clubs and the agents going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you on that. Um, I think it makes sense. I think especially in this analytics era where you've seen that, you know, guys, they hit 30, they're out of their prime and, and, mm-hmm. you know, they might've been all-star and now they're fighting just to make a roster. Mm-hmm. Um, and the squeeze is on to that point, especially in the middle class. Uh, and I think, yeah, if you can redivert some of that money again, it, it's not going to really change the economics of the game that much on, on the macro scale in terms of what payrolls are. Yeah. But, you know, a guy like Vladdy last year, like what was he, he wasn't even making a million dollars, was he? As he, put um, up that he was, but he was making very low amounts of money. I don't remember exactly. I think this is his first year of salary arbitration, though. Yes. So now his uh, his price will slowly yeah, rise up. But still, he's not getting paid the price he should be if he's putting up MVP caliber numbers. Exactly. It's like it's the Chris Bryant thing in 2015 where the Cubs kept him down and they got MVP seasons from Chris Bryant in 2016 where he's making slightly more than league minimum. That's the type of money the players want put into their players because they produce so much value for these clubs. These clubs are yep. getting increments amounts of value. Even if they're paid, say, 2 or $3 million, that's still worth it to the clubs, and they would easily pay that for the player who's putting up that much value. So, Well, it's, 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 worth, the, it's worth it for the game, too. Like, right now, you think about Vladdy, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis, like, mm-hmm. the fantastic young stars that are there right now. Like, like that's what's going to bring in the new generation of fans. It's going to keep bringing in money and interest and, and give baseball the prestige that it's somewhat lost from its its heyday like between the young players we have in this game like tatis like acuna like soto like shohei otani like the entertainment value on the baseball field might be better now than it's ever been in the history of baseball and the fact that we can't get these over these minor disagreements in terms of dollars and where they go that barely even cover the rate of inflation just seems insane to me and i don't i don't want to get into a big of a tangent here but i just i really hope they can figure it out here soon so i can get it right thinking about it I agree. I agree. Like that's like, you know, everyone's talking about, you know, how baseball is, is, you know, maybe not dying, but it, it's, it's, it's shrinking a little bit from the, the prominent spot that it's once had. And the best antidote to that is these new young star players, like getting those guys out, getting those highlights, like, like they do some incredible things on the field Absolutely, that you just, yeah. your jaw drops. That's, that's what sells baseball. Yeah. It's not like, I know baseball has numbers have declined in the past. And a lot of people say where baseball is dying is that the average age of a viewer is much older than you and I, right? A lot more people our age are going to watch football or basketball or something completely different. But in baseball towns where there is baseball, baseball is still huge, right? In Toronto, there's a massive fan base for Toronto. St. Louis and all these other areas where there are major league baseball teams, baseball's still very big. Baseball's still huge in Japan. It's still big in Korea. It's still big in Dominican. So it still has a very big following so to say but not getting these guys on the field is just it's going to destroy what's already there and i've heard from lots of people friends family relatives people on twitter who just say like i love the game i love it so much but they make it really hard to be a baseball man right now yeah oh agreed agreed it, you know like this is the time of year where it's like you can almost you know um, mark on your calendar you know we get to kind of the first week in april last week in march and it's like baseball's coming back you know, I'm going to sit down, grab a beer, and, and beginning of the year, it doesn't matter how good your team is. There's still some hope. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're 
0-0, and it's like, let's just see where it goes. Yeah, you win the first two series of the year, and you just feel you feel so good, right? You feel like anything's possible, yeah. and there you go. Well, let's keep going with this, though. There is going to be a change in playoff structure for 2022 and beyond. Um, this is something that the players kind of had to give up. If they The owners really wanted an expanded playoff, so if the players were going to get their increases they wanted in arbitration and in the CBT, they had to agree to an expanded playoff structure. And it looks like the league wanted 14, the players wanted 10, so they've compromised, and we're going to have 12 teams in the playoffs in 2022. And the way things kind of stand right now, there's going to be more details to edge out as we go, but it sounds like the top two teams in each league could get a bye well, the other eight teams, so the four playoff teams in each league that did not come one or two in their overall league, are going to play best of three series to determine who moves on. So, do you have any thoughts on that? Okay. On the expanded playoff. Interesting. Yeah, kind of, kind of reminiscent of the uh, the shortened season a little bit. A little bit, but that was sixteen teams, I believe. So yes. we're only doing twelve here. Yeah, I, I like I like the best of three. Like that's the one thing. The wild card game is super exciting, mm-hmm. but one game in baseball. Who the heck knows what's going to happen? No, any team can beat anyone in one game, right? It's completely random. Yeah. And, and and even three even three games, you know, like you can very easily have, you know, what might be on paper a lesser team coming on top. But if you've got the top two teams, they've earned that by through, mm-hmm. I think overall that's fair. And I think all the teams that get involved in the tournament, you've got a chance. You can afford to lose a game. You've got a chance. I think as, as a fan, that's exciting. Get a few more teams in and, and, I know as a fellow Blue Jays fan, when the Yankees and Red Sox for the better part of 15 years were taking two playoff spots, we were screwed. Yeah, like, Jays were never getting in. Man. Like we, we were playing for third place and not even a sniff of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that now. And I mean, you saw last year too, there were three, three at least teams uh, getting in and, and we just missed out by a game. Yeah. And, and I, I think, <laughs> yes, very, very. But I think, you know, like, again, like, if you imagine last year, you get a best three series, even if we lost, you get a best three series, but you get Vlad, Bo Bichette, uh Springer, um, Robbie Ray at the time. You, you get yeah. these kind of star players, up-and-coming players and, and veteran players, and you give them that spotlight. And even if it's just three games, mm-hmm. they're there. Uh, Mike Trout, like, let's get Mike Trout in the fucking playoffs. I'm with you, dude. I'm actually going to throw some money on, uh, on the sports betting accounts that the Angels win that division, or at least make a playoff spot this year see what we can get because it's time we got to get Otani in there we got to get Stroud in there I even love like Anthony Rendon and some of these young yes. guys like Joe Adele and Brandon Marshall get them healthy yep. so yeah that'll be really good but we need the spotlight on those guys to go I'm with you I think it's going to be a lot of fun and we've kind of decided as a fan base like even the tournament before was never really a way to determine which baseball team was the best I think the numbers show like if you want to play a series where the better team wins, I think it's like 75% of the time, you have to play like a 116-game series or something like that. Okay. That to happen. So that's that's not <laughs> going to happen. So we've kind of decided that this tournament is fun. Let's get in there. And like you said, one bad game where your pitcher, you know, slips on the mound and throws a bad pitch or something, it's, it's not going to cost you your season, but it should be fun. And once we get to the playoffs, that's something I'm really looking forward to. It should be a good time. Um, the other thing we're going to get in our labor agreement here is that baseball is finally going to have a draft lottery. Now, this is uh, something the players wanted to try to prevent tanking, because as we saw a lot of teams, like we saw the Houston Astros do it in the early 2000s, we've seen a lot more teams lately, just they do a massive bottoming out, like kind of what the Orioles have been doing lately, where they just go in and then they stock their team with draft picks so that they have this young core and they can all bring them at the same time. Uh, the 
the owners want their draft lottery to be just the bottom five teams get it. And each of the bottom three teams have an equal chance of getting the first overall pick 16.5%. We've seen draft lotteries through other sports before. I know the NHL and NBA have them and uh, they've kind of worked. I believe throughout the deer, they've kind of made things exciting where teams can kind of move up where you don't think they could before. And it's, it's always a fun day on sports Twitter when the ping pong balls are rolling around to see which team gets a number one overall. Um, the players there, they have a much more a much more complicated system here. They want the bottom seven teams that are eligible for the draft lottery. And it's all based on a set of rules based on revenue sharing and market size, what exactly of those odds are. I can read them all out to you, but that's way too much numbers and way too much jumbo jumbo. But yeah. that's kind of where they're at, uh, where they're at there with the draft lottery system. But again, seems something that should be agreed upon pretty simply here. I think so. And I mean, so the one end, like... I admire the player's ingenuity, mm-hmm. but I will say that like th- there's details on, you know, you can only pick in a certain position so many times in so many years um, that might reset. If you're a small market team that, you know, if you have a good year that might increase your odds. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting details. I will say that I think you have to be very careful in that system. Cause you could, I think there are probably some great areas where you could really screw over a team that doesn't deserve it. Right. Um, and get some really wonky results in there. So like, I would be a little hesitant to maybe fully embrace that aspect of the player side, but I think it's promising that at the very least both sides are pushing for what's a sizable lottery really. Yeah. And it's, it's the main goal of it is to just prevent tanking, right? Like it's baseball is a better product when every single team on the field is trying to win games. Now, some teams going to win, some teams going to lose. There are always going to be bad teams, but it's it's good to know that the teams are at least trying to put their best foot forward, not only for themselves, but for the fans as well, that they get to go to the ballpark and they get to see these things happening. So good that there's a plan in place to try to make this happen. Um, there are also small little things that there still need to be negotiated and whatnot, such as there might be an international draft and there might be some on-jersey advertising that the players can give to the owners here, but that stuff all seems very minor. Uh, Both sides have agreed to a universal DH, which is going to happen in the National League. I know Riley and I talked about that when it was rumored a few episodes ago. And plus, they're going to cap the number of times a player can be sent to the minors at five in a season. So we've seen players in the past, particularly relievers, who come in, they'll pitch, and then as soon as they're done pitching, they'll send them right down to get another fresh arm in there. So the players like that they're capping that at five, and I think the owners kind of do too. So it's that's been agreed upon. So progress, I suppose. Slowly, slowly, but surely, hopefully. Yeah. Hope we'll get there. I do want to... Um, yes, I do want to give you a quote about what Ross Stripling has said on the Blue Jays. He's the Blue Jays player rep, so he's in there in the negotiations about how these tactics are kind of moving along. And it really does feel to me like the player, or the union, sorry, or not the union, the uh, the owners are very adamant of if they could, if they had their dream world, they would play just a 60-game season. They would get their playoff money. They would get all their TV revenue. And here's what Ross Stripling had to say about it once I find the quote here. Two seconds. He's like, yes, so it's got to be like 12.30 p.m. And the fine print of their CBT proposal was stuff we've never seen before. They were trying to sneak things through us. It was like we're dumb baseball players and we get sleepy after midnight or something. It's like that football quote. They are who we thought they were. They did exactly what they thought we would do. They pushed us to a deadline that they imposed. 
and they tried to sneak some shit past us in the deadline and we were ready for it. We've been ready for five years. And then they tried to flip us on today in PR saying that we've changed our tone and tried to make it look like it was our fault. That never happened. So it kind of seems like the owners are kind of playing their game here and the players are seem to be very, they're, they're stuck they're, um, in solidarity with each other to try to make things happen and try to make things right so they don't get screwed by what the owners are trying to do here. Yeah, no, I agreed. I mean, I think it's hard when for the owners when you take a defensive lockout position mm-hmm. and then don't spend an offer for 43 days of 60. That's a bad like, luck, it, isn't it? <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to find the high ground there. And, I mean, they're trying. But, like, right now, I think without a lot of effort, the PA is winning the, the PR battle. They definitely have the fans, at least the majority of fans that I've seen on their side. I know Riley and I both were on heavy on the player side. It sounds like you are here too. And it's just, like we said, the players are the product, right? Without the players, what do you have? Exactly. And I mean, we've seen replacement players. We've seen replacement referees in various sports. Mm-hmm. It's never a good idea. No. <laughs> it it doesn't sound like we're going to get to that point in baseball here, but. But yeah, so as things stand right now, they were not able to come to a dealer a deal from MLB's imposed deadline. So Rob Manfred and the owners have canceled the first two series of the season for every team. So the Jays are going to be missing three games against the Orioles and three games against the Rays. Now, if a deal is struck soon, there's a chance these games get rescheduled as double headers or something like that. But it doesn't seem likely to me. It feels like we've just lost these games. We'll see where things end up there, but. I guess we got to move ahead and we got to try to think what's next now, right? The players seem kind of stuck. It feels like the owners aren't listening to them and the owners kind of feel like they don't really have to, right? They can kind of have their way and the players are the ones that are going to be losing significantly more money as the games roll on. So it kind of seems like we're in a stalemate here. I was watching uh, PTI the other day and they had Jeff Passan on and he reported that a deal really needs to get struck within the next 10 days or so. And if it doesn't, then, we could be in real danger of missing months and months of baseball here. I think so. I mean, if you're willing to lose those first six games, what do the next six mean in the six after? Right. And it's when does it stop, right? That's what we got to draw the line here. When does, when does the owners feel an urgency to step in and say like, okay, now we yeah. actually need to put something on the field, right? Well, saying, cause, cause right now, I mean, April, you know, an April weekday game, like that's not the moneymaker for the league, mm-hmm. you know? So the owners right now, this is their low revenue point. And I think the players, on the other hand, have, have said that, you know, they're not going to agree to expand the playoffs for this season yeah. if the games are canceled. And, and that's the point where the owners are making most of their money. And, and right now, those two things are being held hostage against each other. Right. The owners, they, a lot of people think, well, we just won't go to games. We won't support the owners. But Major League Baseball makes a large percentage of its, mem- or its money from the playoffs or from TV revenues. So Ken Rosenthal said on one of his things that the deadline for a deal to get done if they, if they don't have games on TV by, like, say, April 30th, give or take, then the teams that own their own TV network, like um, the Blue Jays and Rogers Sportsnet, for example, or the Yankees, how they have the Yes Network, Major League Baseball will start have to reimbursing those TV monies to those people. And I really don't think that the, the league would want to do that. They'd want to give out significant much of the money back. So that would be around April 30th, give or take. And if Manfred said these players need three to four weeks to get a deal done, then we're probably looking early to like yeah early to mid-April I guess of when a deal would have to get struck before that happens so in the meantime that's another month or two away or a month and a half away from really getting any progress on a deal made here unless something else changes yeah 
Yeah, agreed. It's I, I think at this point, like unless, and really I think it's from the owner's side because I don't think the players are, are, are going to cave. Like unless the owners decide to move and, and make an offer that kind of inspires discussion, I think we're kind of the same stage we were when they first got locked out. Like we're just going to be sitting here for a couple of weeks until the pressure starts to build again. Which is heartbreaking. Heartbreaking for us as big Blue Jays fans. Heartbreaking for the, the players, the fans, the people who use baseball as an escape from their normal yeah. life or have their hobby. And it's, it's an unfortunate Certainly, situation. especially with how difficult the past, you know, few years have been. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of people were just, you know, excited just to have that as, as a backdrop and, and an escape. Mm-hmm. And it's not there right now. Yeah, I'm with you on that, man. But that's kind of where things are on our labor situation, where things stand. Uh We'll keep tabs on it as we go. Tune into this place. Tune into Twitter. We'll be tweeting up a storm about it. And let's hope sooner rather than later, something gets done here. But with that being said, let's move on to something a little more fun. As we tweeted out from our Buds Jays Twitter page, uh, which blew up, by the way. It's been viewed by over 120,000 Twitter accounts and whatnot. Um, It looks like the Blue Jays are getting updated scoreboards. And if you haven't seen it, I suggest going to our Twitter page, taking a look at it. The way it kind of looks is if you've been to Rogers Center, you see the big, the huge, the massive TV they have there. And in our picture, it looks like they've almost added bigger, longer rectangular ones on both sides of the scoreboard. So they don't go up nearly as high, but they go really far long and, and away on both sides. So it's definitely a much more bigger visual experience there. And I showed you the picture here, Quinn. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a good sign. Um I think that this is something that, especially with since since Shapiro showed up, um, they've been thinking about how can we make the experience of Rogers Center better. Yep. And they had some ideas about a new stadium that don't seem to have gotten much traction. So I think that's kind of where we're at right now. And I, I think I think it's exciting. I, I think the more that you can kind of modernize that experience, the better. Um, and certainly, I think the scoreboard is like an easy place to start. Mm-hmm. it's good to see that they're actually slowly putting in work onto this too, that the plan has come in and it's come into action. I know that Rogers center has experienced um, trying to get real natural grass in there. And um, I know they had some study at one of the Canadian universities here trying to figure that out. Um, that seemed to have hit a stall. And the problem with getting a new uh, stadium built is that uh, Rogers center where it is, is in a real great location. It's like right in the heart of downtown Toronto. You got union station right there. It's not that far away from the airport either. It's, it's a real good spot and they're just trying to make, make it more modern. So Quinn, my question to you is if you could add one thing into Rogers center to make it new and feel good for you, what would you add? I, th- I think to be honest, a lot of it's just the aesthetics of the concourses. Um, okay. Like when you get into the kind of the back alleyways, it's just a lot of concrete mm-hmm. and it, like there it's, it, it's really cold. <laughs> <laughs> would be the best way I can describe it. Um, especially if you go along behind the outfield, like it's yes. all sketchy. Even. Um, but I think like they've done some work, you know, in the past decade or so, especially on the lower levels of adding some kind of new and, and innovative uh, food options on the yep. concourse. Um, they've added, they added a lot of beer, I think in, in concert with, with Dale CBO and whatnot. So they've got, you know, some different craft beers and whatnot. Now, and I think the next step is really working on, the aesthetics and and kind of the experience when you're at your seat i think is the best way i can put it like okay, the more sense. more welcoming that you can make that environment i think that's something that would i think be welcomed by a lot of fans 
they added the uh, WestJet flight deck there uh, a few years back, and that's been pretty popular. I know whenever I've gone to Jays games, me and my friends, we kind of like to stand out there and stand in the outfield. And, it, and it's something different than just sitting in your seat watching the game, right? And it felt kind of cool. So if they could add little stuff like that. Like, I'm not saying you don't need to put a hot tub in right field or you don't yeah. need to <laughs> do anything wild like that, but something kind of cool and unique to keep people engaged because it's, let's be real, not everyone there is like us that is going to be glued to the baseball game. Some people want that cool experience of all the stuff that's going on yep. there. So if you throw a bar, you throw a patio, or you throw, I don't know, something cool just to get get a young kid in there and to get them hooked and to get them to get them to really enjoy the experience is going to make them much more likely to come back in the future. So I'm excited to see what uh, Mark Shapiro and the rest of the crew there can come up with. And yeah, as someone who's going to frequent Rogers Center a lot, I can't wait to see what they come up with. Yes, agreed. All right, so we'll touch on more stadium applications and stuff as they come up. I'm sure there's going to be a whole lot of fun stuff. Uh, but we're going to play a little game here now, Quinn. Have some little fun after the uh, kind of downer to start the, uh, start the episode here. So I'm going to ask you some questions, and they're going to be fun. They're going to be goofy. They're going to be Toronto Blue Jays related. And you're just going to tell me what your answer is. You ready to go? All right, let's give this a whirl. And uh, you guys watching on YouTube, if you have any suggestions, you want to leave an answer down below, feel free to go ahead. These are going to be fun. They're going to be a little goofy. All right, for the first one, if you had to pick one Toronto Blue Jay that you think is deeply invested into cryptocurrency, which Blue Jay do you think it would be? I think that might be Ross Stripling. Yeah, you um, think so? I, I think so. I think he's got an interest in the labor side of things. Right. And I think I can't remember where I read this, but I think actually I actually think he does have an interest in more of the business side of, of things. And I think compared to a lot of the players, like I, I he strikes me as the kind of guy who will be as successful, if not more successful after baseball than he is in baseball. Oh, okay. I like that take. Ross Stripling seems like a smart guy. He's got his own podcast out there and like he's already got all these extracurricular activities there. Um my guess for this would have been Danny Jansen. I just feel like Jano's the kind of guy who could just sit there and spit numbers at you like crazy, right? I feel like he's got his own little textbooks and he's way out there. You know, he could be out on the pitcher's mound talking to the pitcher about you should invest in this and this and this and all this stuff. So that's kind of my guess on that uh, answer there. Um, but I do like the stripling call. That will uh, kind of lead into our second question here. And which Toronto Blue Jay do you think is most likely to go into either coaching or broadcasting after their playing career is over? Ooh, okay. That's okay. That's that's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in terms of most likely, I think I think a Danny Jansen. Um, yeah, that actually might be the guy I go with. Um, and, and I think a lot. I think a lot of that is just as as catchers, and you know, you've seen um, with uh, Greg's on, and um, and now I'm blanking here. I think it was Buck a catcher as well. Buck was a catcher. Yeah. Yes. I, I feel like as a catcher, you know, like it's so much more of a mental game, um, at least when we get an automated strike zone, uh, mm-hmm. that I think you see the game in a different light and you can add an insight that most other positions can't. I, I think you're thinking it at such a level that you there's so much insight. It's like Tony Romo when you're watching a football game. Like you just, it, it, it's, it lets you get into the experience on a more like personal ground level. I think why catchers really do make good managers, you've seen it all throughout the year, like John Gibbons was a catcher too, was um, they have to know the offensive side of the game, the strategy side of the game, and they also need to know the pitching side of the game. And so when you're a catcher coming up and you learn all that, you kind of learn things from all perspectives. And that's kind of, and now even like recently with the amount of data that's coming in from the front office, you also kind of kind of know that as well. So that kind of makes sense 
I didn't have a great answer for this. I, I really don't think anyone on the current staff might be on there, but Reese McGuire, I guess, would be my guess. Just a guy who seems smart and can do his own thing. And I'll try to refrain from any uh, dollar store uh, parking lot jokes while talking about Reese McGuire, but uh, I'm sure one will come out at some point here. Um, for our next question, if you were to pick one Toronto Blue Jay to be your roommate, who would it be? Or I guess, who would be the best roommate to have from any of the Toronto Ooh. Blue Jays players? That's a good one. Uh, I might go. I might go George Springer on that one. Actually, um, I think like just and you know you're not down the field, but he, like from a distance, it seems like he just has this kind of infectious positive energy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he'd be the kind of guy where it's like if he's your roommate, he'd be like almost like a cheerleader in your life. It's typing you up. No, like like exactly. Good times, bad times. He would I think help to to lift you up, and 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 would also kind of if he sees you're down, would also you know lend a hand um, as well. There was uh, Craig Goldstein, who used to work in the Houston Astros front office. I was reading uh, something else that he wrote, and someone asked him, like, hey, just what is George Springer like? Like, what's he like as a dude? And uh, your call there was pretty accurate. He's like, you know, he's very upbeat. He's high energy. Like, overall, he's just he's a really good guy, you know? Keeps to himself. So, And plus, he doesn't seem like the type of guy who would make a mess and <laughs> things everywhere. So <laughs> <That too. laughs> I, I like the call on George Springer. Um, my call would be Kevin Biggio. Because Kevin Vizio to me seems like the type of guy when he gets into something, he can get really into something and be determined. So you could have like good video game sessions with Kevin Vizio, or you could have these nice engaging conversations with Kevin Vizio. So it's something like that would probably be my guess. But I think he knocked it out of the park with uh, George Springer there. All right. Our next question is which Toronto Blue Jay is most likely to be out partying until late into the night? Ooh. I can go first if you're this, thinking about this one here. No, I, I, I don't know. This, this might, this might be, uh, this might be. Uh, oh, actually, I was going to say Vladdy originally, but I'm going to go with Lourdes, uh, Lourdes Grill. Grill. I, I feel, I feel like he's. Yeah, I, I'm literally <laughs> sitting here. I'm looking at a picture of his hair, and I was like, I'm sold. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I think he also he strikes me as one of the guys that brings that energy to the mm-hmm. ballpark. Um, every day, and I mean, you saw it last year with, with the home run jacket and 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 whatnot. They seem to enjoy playing and enjoy playing together. And I feel like Gurel Jr. would be the kind of guy who would be a hype man to, to keep that, that party going. I like that call. My answer to this is actually, uh, it's Charlie Montoya. Because <laughs> I could just Ooh, see him okay. going out and he gets the uh, he gets the bongos going and he starts to get, uh, get some appraisal from a crowd or whatever. And Charlie just seems like a very personal guy or whatever. So time can slip by him before you know it. But I do like the Lourdes Gurel call. He seems like a guy who could be out there just going wild, having the time of his life. For my next question here is which Blue Jay do you think you could beat in a rap battle? Ooh. This, this one might be Reese McGuire. I feel like he's not a rap guy. <laughs> you know, like I, I could see, you know, if we're talking country music, yeah, that would strike me as something I would expect a Reese McGuire um, to kick my ass at. But in terms of a rap battle, I feel like I feel like he's just he's not gonna he's not gonna quite have the the energy needed there. Mine would be uh, Randall Grichik. I do not think uh, Grichik seems very proper and informative, and I feel like Grichik would not be able to spit some rhymes. Now I can't spit rhymes either. <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> I would be I'd be awful as well. So <laughs> this yeah. is a hard bar to clear. You know, maybe uh, I agree. Yeah, 
Grichuk Gr- yeah. was my, he was the other one I was debating. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I'm in agreement with you on that one. All good choices. Plus these guys who like country music, you know, probably aren't into the rap scene, right? I feel like underrated though. I feel like Bo Bichette could actually, he can spit some rap, mean yeah. rap rhymes to you. At some point. I agree. I think he's a, he's got it in there. Um, which Toronto Blue Jay do you think would be most likely to bring a guitar to a frat party? I, I, I'm going to say Charlie Montoyo on that one. <laughs> yeah, he probably wouldn't bring the guitar, but he'd probably have, like, not only would he have his bongo drums, he'd maybe have, like, a little, like, a mini kit of emergency bongos just to break out at any yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah, yeah, not, you may not the guitar specifically, but in terms of the energy, the kind of person I expect to bring a guitar to a frat party, mm-hmm. like, just this really chill this really chill dude um, trying to impart that vibe on anyone. That's what I kind of see with Charlie Montoya. Yeah. Um, my answer isn't going to be a current blue Jay. It's going to be an old one, but um, Aaron Hill is going to be my choice for this. Cause I remember there were some reports of Aaron Hill just loved guitar. He played so much guitar all the time. Like he'd bring it into the clubhouse and stuff with him. He'd bring it on road trips with him. So, you know, nothing too crazy, but he'd be my pick to go for that one there. And uh, all right, Quinn, I got four more questions for you. Okay. Which Toronto Blue Jay secretly loves reality TV shows like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette? I have no factual <laughs> basis to go on on this one. Yeah. But in terms of me looking at just the stock photos of all the Blue Jays, I'm going to go with Santiago Espinal. You think so? <laughs> yeah. He, he's, he just strikes me as the kind of guy who, he, like, he's kind of sitting there and, and just kind of watching this maybe this girlfriend, whatever, mm-hmm. but secretly really enjoying the drama. Right, right. Like he's on there watching Survivor being like, is he going to use the Immunity Idol this week or something like that? Yes, right. So, exactly. Uh, we'll see. My pick for this is Ryan Barucki. Um, I know he okay. just got married not too long ago, so I figured him and his wife are probably out there and they're secretly watching things. And Barucki seems to me like the type of guy who would strike you in a strong uh, conversation about uh, numerous of topics within these shows. So I feel like that could be something he... Uh, he genuinely likes but again no knowledge we're just taking stabs in the dark here. <laughs> yep um two more to go or three more to go sorry uh which blue jay has the best fashion taste oh best fashion taste oh yeah, that's an interesting one my thoughts is uh is lord escuriel as well just okay there and how he goes i was it. yeah i was today i'm i'm debating between lordez and maybe bobachet I feel like he's got kind of um, a young, kind of more hip vibe mm-hmm. to him. Um, like not not always super formal, but like always just kind of like subtly stylish. Did you see what Bo Bichette was wearing at the All Star Game last year in Colorado when he came out? They do like the red carpet event. I did not see that one actually. Oh, he was he was basically in jeans. It was glorified jeans. Him walking out there. Every other player is dressed up. They're wearing nice. They're walking the red carpet. Bo Bichette looks like he just came back from like, I'm exaggerating a little, but like he was mowing the lawn or something. Came out there, he had his sunglasses on. So if, if that's so. fashion, that's great. Or if Bo Bichette just, uh, just kind of wanted to go and do his own thing there, who knows? But uh, it's worth a look if you haven't seen it. Go look it up. I will. I will. I think the thing with, with him too is just like there's kind of that quiet, quiet confidence. Yes. So I think it's the kind of thing where it's like, like, I feel like he's the kind of guy where like anyone else wearing that, your immediate thought is that it's just kind of lazy mm-hmm. and unstylish where with, with him, like, I feel like that confidence kind of infuses it and, and just kind of makes it into something that maybe it's not. Hey, I guess we just have to get Bobachette back to the all-star game this year, just to see uh, what he comes up with again. Let's go Jace fans. Right, there you go. Yeah. 
so which Toronto Blue Jay is most likely to have a collection of something weird or obscure? I'm going to go with uh, Hyunjin Ryu here. Hyunjin Ryu, okay. I, I, I feel like even from the first time, you know, he's, he's spoken to the microphone, like I, he's just got kind of a, a unique energy about him. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he's the kind of guy that would just collect something like, you know, like a little figure, little like ceramic figurine or something. I could see him having some sort of collection of weird like cat figurines. Okay. And, and just being like, I find this cool and I don't care. Like he just, he has a very unique vibe to him. My answer is Jordan Romano. Um, he just, he's a closer, right? He's got that, that weird closer vibe to him and he gets out there and he just, you almost have to be to be an elite closer. You have to be a little weird and a little off. And plus he's from Ontario, right? And I know a lot of Ontarians who just have some <laughs> weird collections of things you don't even know what it is. So I bet you Jordan Romano's got something in there. He just likes to secretly collect all the time. What it is beyond me, but that's just my guess there. And uh, my last question that we have here is, which Toronto Blue Jay has the barista at Starbucks put a fake name on their cup? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Vladdy here. I, okay. I feel like it's a combo. I feel like it's a combo of like being a recognizable star and yeah. wanting to not necessarily hide from it, but you know, not necessarily have to deal with it at Starbucks. And then also a little bit of like just that that twinkle of mischief. And uh, and just wanted to screw with him a little too, because Vladdy's a little bit rebellious, I guess. Here, eh? <laughs> my pick to this, um, I chose Randall Gretchik, um, just because he seems very straight and obscure about himself, and maybe he just doesn't want to get into the conversation with like a barista or something that his name's Randall. Yes, I play for the Blue Jays, or he wants to get caught up. He seems to me like the type of guy who wants to get in, get his coffee, and just get out of there. So I'll give him a fake name. I could do that. That uh, question inspired me because I was reading an article about Derek Jeter and Derek Jeter did that once. He went by the name, I think it was Robert on his uh, cops at Starbucks. So I thought it'd be cool if we could maybe find a uh, Blue Jays one of those. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's all I got for today, Quinn. Um, hope you had fun. It was uh, it was an honor to have you as the first ever guest of our Bloods I, and Blue Jays. The, on, the honor is all mine, sir. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure we're going to have you on at some point throughout the season here as well. As we get going, look forward to it. Yeah, perfect. Uh, do you have any things you want to shout out, or yeah, any players, any teams, any moments that you want to uh, get your shout out in there? I mean, in terms of shout out, I'm 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 excited to see this team as a whole this year. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I think this might be as as kind of strong all around contending team as, as we've had that I can remember, and it's going to be a tough go, but it's just exciting. I, I want to see a full season of, of George Springer. Knock on wood because mm-hmm. I think, you know, what he showed in, in the 60 or 80 games last year is, is like, he's a difference maker. And, and I think he's, OBS+, yeah. exactly. And and I think that people kind of, like, they forget about that a little bit because he wasn't in the lineup as much. Mm-hmm. But I think you add him in there. Um, I'm excited to see what Gaussman can do. Me too. Return to the AL East. Um, but, you know, if, if we have to pivot from the AL Cy Young Award winner, I thought that was as, as good a, mo- a good move as any. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of the kids too, you know, like let's Nate Pearson, get him healthy. It's been, you know, two years ago, he was, you know, expect to be, you know, the, the next, you know, second award winner. Let's see what he's got back after the season. Gabriel Moreno. Yeah. Like, like there, there's more guys coming, mm-hmm. you know, it, like this seems sustainable. 
And that's the plan that Shapiro and Atkins came up with. They wanted the young core who's currently in there. So the Vlad, the Bo, like these guys here. And then they wanted to suppress it with another core coming up. So that would be your Gabriel Moreno, your Alvis Martinez and all this stuff. And it would be so nice to see these plans come into action, right? And I'm with you. We're so close. And I just hope, hope it happens sooner rather than later because this is some of the best times to be a Blue Jays fan, a team this exciting in years. And I just, what type of cruel joke would it be if it gets taken away from us? Yep. Oh, exactly. Expos 94. <sighs> yeah. People still talk about that to this day. And I'm sure you're in Montreal. Yeah. You hear it more than I do. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm hopeful that we get to some sort of reasonable agreement here and let's just play ball. Let's play ball indeed. Well, that's it for our episode here today. Uh, next week, we'll hopefully have more labor talk to get into and we can actually do a spring training episode. If not, uh, We'll hopefully have Riley back on here and we might do some fun things. Maybe we'll do a draft of some Blue Jays teams of all time or whatnot. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at BudsJays or send us an email at BudsAndBlueJays at Hotmail.com. If you're looking for some Toronto Maple Leaf content, you should check out our friends over at Leafs and Lads. They talk all things Toronto Maple Leafs, including their goaltending issues, some trade targets they might have as we get closer to the trade deadline. So Isaac Din and Mark have you covered over there. Uh, that'll do for us here tonight. Have a good night and we'll see everyone next week.